All right, welcome folks to the June webinar presented here by Extreme Ag. I'm your host, Damian Mason. I also am the host and producer, along with my friend, Will Ostet of the Cutting the Curve podcast. If you are not uh, listening to the stuff that we're putting out there, you're really missing out because we are cranking out great stuff with our panel uh, and also the people that aren't on today's panel, meaning the Extreme Ag founders and our affiliates. You know, we got farmers from a ranging geography around the United States of America that are doing some really advanced stuff. They're yield setting, uh, record setting farmers, and they also do product trials. So make sure you are checking out all the cool stuff at extremeag.farm. If you have a question that you want to ask or be involved in today's webinar, go to the bottom of your screen, move your cursor around, you'll see raise your hand, and you'll also see a place where you can type in your question by clicking on the little sound bubbles that says Q&A. You can type in your question, and I will make sure that your question is addressed. Our panel is Mariah Murphy. She is with a company called Truterra. Truterra is a, uh, an affiliate, or I should say maybe a subsidiary of Lando Lakes. Temple Roads is an affiliate here with Extreme Ag. We love Temple. And I uh, said in a previous podcast recording with him, he's kind of like Jägermeister. You won't like him at first. He grows on you. You'll vomit, and he'll make you sick. And you'll actually not enjoy the first couple of experiences, but eventually it gets to where you can stomach it. That's Temple Roads. Matt Miles of McGee, Arkansas, uh, one of my favorites. In fact, he is my favorite. I was really excited. I was in McGee, Arkansas. Will and I shot a boatload of content. So be sure you check that out with Lane and Robbo and the other characters of McGee, Arkansas, at Miles Farms. Will Ostet is our uh, controller, our producer, and the brains. He's, he's the wizard behind the curtain here at Extreme Ag. And then Kelly Garrett. Kelly Garrett is one of our panelists. And in fact, we're going to hear from him first. And the reason we're here from Kelly Garrett first is because he's all about the carbon. Kelly and I met because December of 2020, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, and there's a picture of an Iowa farmer who is getting paid money to sell carbon. I've been hearing about this whole carbon thing for years in ag. I used to get postcards from a company that sounds like it's named after a color blue. Anyway, I still don't know what that company does, but I used to get their postcards telling me they could give me money for carbon. I never understood it. I read this article about Kelly Garrett, an Iowa farmer who's doing no-till and he's doing various other practices to sequester carbon and a company called Spotify or Shopify, something with a fi in it, is giving him money for this. And I'm like, I got to track this guy down. I tracked him down, introduced myself, had him on my Business of Agriculture podcast. Next thing you know, he brings me into the fold here at Extreme Ag. Kelly Garrett, why were you written up in the Wall Street Journal? First off, from my research, at that point, there was two farmers in the United States of America, somebody on the East Coast and you, that had been paid for carbon. Now it's getting to be more of a proliferated thing. Tell me the history and how this whole thing started with you getting money for carbon. Uh, we were approached by a carbon market to be an early adopter into the carbon market space. Uh, as a no-till farmer, I very much believe that carbon is the most important element that goes into production of corn, beans, wheat, whatever crop you want. You're never gonna hear that from an ag retailer because they can't sell you carbon. So the way that we farm, the things that I believe, the principles I believe very much aligned with the carbon market space. Uh, because of that, uh, it, it progressed and we became the first, if, you know, number one, if not the number two farmer in the United States to sell our carbon credits into the market space. And it was Shopify that purchased those first credits. Yeah. So 
you were written up and it was kind of, let's face it, you know, it's almost about a year and a half ago. It was still kind of a new thing. It still is the wild west. There's a lot of people that don't understand it, which is why we're having this webinar and why two weeks ago we released a podcast on this very subject. What did you were approached, but how did they find you? Why did they find you? It didn't just happen out of thin air where they just said, let's go find a guy in Iowa that no-till farms. Sarah, take me through that. They were looking for an early adopter into this carbon market space and extreme ag uh, came up on their, on their Google search basically. And they, they were looking for a progressive farmer that would uh, go forward with them and, and find out what would happen. And it's, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. Uh, my family, my farm, my operation, I can't say enough about how it's progressed us. It, it's been terrific. All right. Dollars and cents. We're an open book here. We tell people how we can help them shorten their learning curve on the, you know, cutting the curve podcast. We're also want, we want our followers and our listeners and the people that are on this webinar right now to, to make carbon a, a secondary revenue source. You did that. Tell us about the money. Cause some people are like, I ain't going to mess around over 20 bucks. You're making a lot more than $20 off of carbon, right? We farm about 7,000 acres. And in the year 2020, we cashed in about $491,000 worth of carbon credits. It's, it's a pretty nice deal. Okay. $490,000 came in in the year 2020 on your carbon thing. Is that a one-time thing or is it ongoing? We sold what you would call vintage credits, which would go back to 2016. So it, it was a few years accumulation, but no, it's not a one-time thing. You know, we're, we're now involved with Truterra. Uh, carbon market I'm very happy to be part of. And we are now talking about credits going forward. We're talking about building more credits. And no, it absolutely is not a one-time thing. I, I intend to, to sell more credits and cash in again. Got it. By the way, Will just posted the link to the podcast. So if you don't get enough in our discussion today, you can go ahead and just grab that, uh, click on the link, and then it'll take you to the podcast that we released a couple of weeks ago about this subject. And that was recorded with Mariah. Mariah Murphy is with Truterra. What's Truterra and what do you do, Mariah? I want to make money on carbon. I've got farm ground. Talk, help me out here. Sure. Um, so Truterra is actually the fourth business unit of Land O'Lakes. Um, so Land O'Lakes is that 100-year-old cooperative. Um, we work with all of our Land O'Lakes ag retailers, um, so our cooperative retailers, and then we are also working um, with folks like Kelly and those individuals that are on this call. Um, and what we are really trying to do is we're trying to make our ag retailers and our farmers um, successful. We're trying to provide them opportunities and new revenue streams and return on their investment. Um, through new creative ways, right? And carbon is one of those. Um, we are much larger than just carbon. We are also focused in other sustainability efforts, things around water quality credits as we start getting into more of this nitrogen reduction credits, um, maybe even low carbon intensity grain. Um, you know, we are, we are much more than carbon. That is what we were started to do. Um, but carbon has really become that buzzword. All right, I'm a farm owner. I don't operate it. I rent out my farm ground to a large-scale dairy operation. Can I get carbon credits? Does the operator have to get carbon credits? How does this, how do I initiate this? Yeah, great question. So um, you as the, we are going to contract with the actual land or uh, with the farmer, okay? And so the farmer is the one that is actually making these practice changes. Um, and so the contract is actually with the farmer. 
they do actually have to have some sort of attestation, basically um, letting the landowner know that they are going to be selling the credits on their land. Um, and so there is a little bit of that nuance there to where you have to be upfront and honest with your landlord and let them know that you're participating. Um, but the money today is going to the actual farmer. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to go to the other folks on this call right now. We're going to be coming back to you routinely. But sure. uh, one thing I need to know, um, I don't buy stuff from Lando Lakes. I don't buy your Winfield uh, uh, chemistry and I don't buy any cattle feed from uh, Lando Lakes brand of stuff. So I'm not allowed to be a customer or can I get carbon uh, credits through you if I'm not a customer? Yeah, definitely. Um, so if you're not working with one of our Lando Lakes aligned retailers or someone that is in the Truterra network, um, you can work uh, through our website. So you can go to truterraag.com. Um, we are more than happy to help find a retailer that maybe you would want to work with, or you can work with us and we will help you through that process. So absolutely, you're still eligible. All right. And then from a dollars and cents standpoint, Kelly gave me a number, $490,000. That's a lot of change, but uh sure. How much am I going to get from True Terra? If I if I do this thing and I sign it up, are you how much are you going to give me four hundred ninety thousand dollars? Well, you know, as we talked on our podcast, you know, Kelly is sitting in Western Iowa where it's like a gold mine of carbon, uh, and so what Kelly is sequestering is probably more than the average farmer. I'll be really honest with you; it it, it varies greatly depending on where you're located. There's a lot of environmental factors. Soil is a big contributor to to what you're actually going to sequester. Um, we actually pay up to $25 a ton. So meaning if, uh, if you have made a practice change within the last three years, you would be eligible for up to $25 a ton. Um, we will take soil samples. Okay. $25 a ton. Here's, here's what I know. Uh, 56 yeah. pounds and a bushel of corn, uh, 60 pounds and a bushel of wheat. Um, I don't have any idea what a ton of carbon looks like, feels like. I, I don't have a clue. A ton of sure. carbon. Is there a ton of carbon in my office right now? Is Yeah. What's 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 a ton of carbon look like, feel like? What's that mean? Yeah, so we are paying on the metric ton. So it is the amount of ton, the additional carbon stored. Okay, so as um, your plants are breaking down and that carbon's getting back into the soil, we are going to be taking two very specific soil samples. So a bulk density, te a bulk density test and a soil organic carbon test. We will combine that with the 34 data points that we're collecting. We will send that off. It'll go through our modeling system and then we will come back with what we call quantification. And that is going to be basically your final number or what you have sequestered. Okay. So it's not set arbitrarily. It's actually some science to this. And totally. they say, okay, where you are. So if I'm in Western Kansas, where I only get nine inches of rain a year, I'm probably sequestering less carbon than I am in Northeast Indiana, where I get 40 inches of rain and I can grow more, uh, more stuff, right? Definitely. And a lot of it, you know, as we talk about, um, as we talk about carbon in general, it's about having a living root and in your soil at all times. Right. Um, and so that is a really key piece to it as well. If you're sitting in, if you're sitting in Western Kansas and you do a lot of fallow, um, unfortunately that is going to, that is going to affect how much carbon you're actually sequestering. All right. We're going to go now. Speaking of that exact issue, Matt Miles, McGee, Arkansas. He's in the southeastern part of the state of Arkansas, the Delta, uh, as it's known. Very sandy soils. Uh, he irrigates. Uh, there are some practical reasons why he can't irrigate. And before we hear from Matt, there's one other thing I want to do. I want to reiterate this in front of everybody that knows this. Shopify gave Kelly Garrett $491,000 in the year 2020. You'd think it'd keep him pretty flush with cash. 
Six months ago, he took money from Matt Miles for beef, and he still has not sent the beef to McGee, Arkansas. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that a guy that gets $491,000 wouldn't need to pocket poor Matt Miles' cash? Or at least he'd be good about it. I actually send the beef to him. Matt, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to send you a cheeseburger because Kelly hasn't sent you the beef yet. Let me tell you, I live just like 30 minutes from Kelly, and I have never received beef. So, I mean, how do you think you're going to get something all the way in Arkansas? So, just to call that out. Have you paid, have you paid for it? Or, or no? <laughs> no, no. Maybe that's what I'm missing here. All right, Matt Miles, there's some practical reasons why you can't be as uh, adored by the carbon people. Because the carbon people, Mariah just said it, a living root in the soil at all times is really the goal. Because when something's living and growing, it, it you know, through uh, the, the process called photosynthesis, it takes carbon out of the atmosphere. You can't do that. And you also don't do cover crops. And you got some other things. Talk to me about that. Well, we do some cover crops, uh, but we get a little bit penalized because we're fur furrow irrigated. So we have to have a clean furrow to go through to irrigate our crop. So we're not what you call 100% no-till. We have, we're, we're called minimal till. So, you know, and, and, and honestly, I think there's a, you know, there's a rule somewhere in the cloud or whatever that one, one trip of tillage is still considered, maybe not no-till, but pretty close. So we do one trip a lot and we just, you know, with the carbon credit deal, the way it's set up right now, one size don't fit all. So you got Kelly out there that has 100% no-till or some of the other guys. And then we have to, we have to actually clean our furrows out to furrow irrigate. So we get a little bit penalized for that. We're in a carbon credit beta program right now with a company. And, you know, we're doing okay with it, but there's certain rules, you know, that, that apply to the whole piece of pie that really don't fit us. Tell me about the program you are in, because there's, that's the thing. It's not like, again, I can go, if I can grow a bushel of corn, I can price it online. I, I know every elevator in the country is going to take it. It's pretty cut and dry. We understand selling a bushel of corn, selling carbon. There's all these different companies, there's all these different programs. It frankly is a bit confusing. You're not doing it through Truterra. And you're also not doing it based on your cover crop. So what's the program that you're in and what's it look like, feel like, what's it pay? How's it pay? Who's your payer? All that. Well, I'm in a program right now. It's a beta program. So we were actually selected because we don't fit the normal mold, you know, of the, of the carbon credit like Kelly does. So it's just a, you know, we're getting a, we're getting a payment on, we're, we're doing like 2000 acres out of 11,000. So it's not like a, you know, we're getting, Fifty, sixty thousand dollars to be in this beta program, paid up front, but it's just to see if the guys in the delta or in fur irrigated areas can, you know, can 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 be in this program. To be honest with you, got it. Uh, who's the pay? Who's who? Where's the money come from? Uh, it's coming from Rabo Bank. Okay, so is it is the bank is the bank essentially? doing this with the idea that they're going to become a carbon broker? Well, no, you know, Rebo Bank's where we do our financing and they are the mo one of the most uh, innovative banking, farmer banking, agriculture banking uh, facilities or whatever you want to call it out there. So, you know, they're always on the front edge of everything that's going on, which I applaud them for that for sure. And they, you know, I'm not the only one in this. I'm the only one in the Delta but there's people around the United States in this and are trying to figure out 
you know, at what point where they, you know, where they where it lines up. Okay. So do you think that Rob a Bank is getting payment? Like for instance, Kelly's money came from Shopify. Rob a Bank isn't just doing this out of their own account, or maybe they are with the idea that they're going to pay you, then they'll mark it up and sell it. Do you think that's what's happening? They are actually just trying to figure out because they are innovative and they want to be on the front lines of all the new stuff that's going on. They're actually probably losing a little money right now to try to figure out where they need to be. You know, they're probably losing money with me. They might not be with a guy in Kansas or, or Nebraska or Iowa or whatever, but uh, you know, in general, they're trying to figure out where they need to be in a carbon market. They're so innovative in helping the farmer and, you know, making the farmer better that, um, you know, they're just trying to figure out where they're at in this thing. Okay. So you're in this, this is the first year. Yep. Okay. So we're going to go to Temple, but before I do that, Mariah, are you familiar with the program that Matt is talking about? Um, I have heard of it. Yes. Um, I'm not, I'm not like intimately familiar. So some of that was new to me as well. But don't you think yours is better? Don't you think he, he he's, he's, in a, he's in a crappy carbon program? <laughs> I mean, I think that Trucera does a great job um, providing farmers the most transparency. I think we provide the most farmer flexibility. Um, we have really tried to tailor this to our farming audience and our ag retailers that are supporting us. Um, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that it, this, isn't, this is a very smooth process. And I know that some of those processes out there can be very cumbersome. I want to hear about the process, but before I do that, I want to bring Temple in. Temple, you're involved in a carbon program that is through uh, the country's biggest ag retailer. Talk to me. So um, back when this carbon credit thing first came up, I kind of, I talked to a bunch of different people and I, I didn't even know enough to be dangerous. And, I, and, I, and I'm assuming that nobody did, but I wanted to be at the beginning edge of it. So I started talking to a bunch of different companies. I talked to three, four, five of them. But the reason that I chose to do um, the ag retailer one, one is because they already have my data. I've al they already have a piece of the pie that they already, they, they need to generate all of my reports. So, is this so that was one, it made it very easy. So when we talked about like with Mariah, she says, you don't have to be a Lando Lakes customer to be part of our thing. Presumably you don't with Nutrien either, but we can go ahead and say your program is through Nutrien, but you buy your inputs from Nutrien and therefore- yeah, a lot of my- Go ahead. It makes it very easy because they have access to my climate um, program. They have access to my John Deere um, accounts. So any reports that they need, um, they got an in-house person where they can just kind of pull it right in. Um, so it made it very easy for me where I didn't need to add one more job to myself. That's why I did it. The other reason I did it with nutrients because it was a one-year contract. And I didn't want to tie myself to it for a lengthy part of time because I wanted the ability to jump into a program, learn about it, figure out the ins and outs, and then I can jump out of it and do something different down the, down in, down the road. Maybe it's with Trutera. Um, cause it sounds like it's pretty good. I, I want to be up there where Kelly is, but so one of the problems that we have here on our Chesapeake Bay watershed is we already have cover crop programs that we get paid for from the government. So we are cover crop programs through the state of Maryland. We already get paid up to $65 an acre to put cover crops in. So we can't double dip. 
So we have to find a different avenue. So yeah, that's the one. That's we, the one reason I really wanted you to be here. We're, dear listener, again, type in your questions if you have a question, and also, or you can raise your hand. But we try to do a thing here where we got Kelly's kind of the grandfather or godfather of this whole carbon thing. He was one of the very early adopters and also one of the early payees. We got Matt because he's in a different geography and has some unique challenges that don't fit the carbon mold as he already talked about and he's in a pilot program with uh rabobank and with uh temple being in maryland in the bay area they've been under the gun for environmental reasons under for their farming they've been doing stuff that is now new in uh, ohio <laughs> you know that's now new in some other place and so you've been doing cover crops anyway and so the idea you're going to be incentivized through this isn't really the case you were already doing some of this yeah, so we were already doing uh, cover crops for the last 15 years. So it's not, that's nothing new to us. So we had to have something that's a new practice. So new practice would be something like uh, reduced tillage, uh, changing, going from strip tillage, um, you know, from a, a conventional program in their new till or whatever. But a lot of us, again, is already doing that. Um, the other thing that we were doing is, is to reduce the total um, of nitrogen that we apply to our grass crops, wheat and, and corn. So we were doing that. It, this being a lot of the things that we do in extreme ag applies to that because we are all about efficiency and some of the things that we are grabbing and pulling out, I can reduce my, my total in by 5% because I'm going to add something else in there that gains me above that anyway. So I don't care about that. So that's what brought me into selling my carbon credits because i was allowed to do that okay. so a, now it go ahead yours is a one-year program um and for kelly's they look back i mean basically they gave him money for practice that they did four years ago uh yours did not yes it did it looked at two years prior um so they pulled my two years prior up the problem was is i didn't get any money for the years prior because of i had a year in there where we had a really, really wet fall and we destroyed all of our ground. So we had to go back in and we had to fix everything. Mm -hmm. So there was plowing involved, there was field cultivators involved and we had to straighten out all of our ground and then bring it back. So I lost that, but it also brought me back in and said, okay, here is a different practice that he's changing from a conventional situation into a minimum till or a strip till we do a lot of strip tillage. So it kind of brought me right back into that. So it actually worked out for me, but they have this sliding scale where when you do all these things, um, it works out very well. One of the problems that we've seen is if we get into a situation where you, you make this plan, right? And you say, you're going to put corn on this X field and you end up not being able to put corn on that field, you have to put it in soybeans because the weather doesn't permit or something bad happens, that becomes a real problem in the program that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And you basically throw that one out the window and you don't get paid for it. So they, they, haven't, they haven't fixed all the bugs, but it's getting better. Okay, so you, your, your, your program lacks flexibility. It, 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 it is convenient because 
through Nutrien where you already do business, they already have access to your data, et cetera. So it's got the convenience factor. It doesn't have the flexibility factor. It also has the non-long-term commitment. For people that are afraid of long-term commitment, you, you, um, you don't have that because it's only one year. How much? Um, right now. So I know farmers never talk about money, Temple. Remember, every farmer you've ever met is just barely getting by. They don't have any money. They just, you know, they just uh, just, bar just barely breaking even. Anyway, go ahead. We talk about money openly here. So especially with, when it's yours. The stuff by reducing my total in by 5% using stabilizers, that's like $9 an acre. You start adding to it when you start changing practices. I'm at a total of about 18 dollars an acre but then you got to add in the fact that i already plant cover crops so then that adds 65 dollars an acre on that that i can't capitalize the other way so in my better and my worse I, I don't know where that that falls but it's still a really i'm not saying it's the best program but for a learner that i wanted to learn and i wanted yeah. to learn some mistakes as i went yeah. this was the easiest one for me to dive into to learn Damon, I've got a comment. So, and Tibble brought this up. So, changing practices. So, when we got in this program as a, as a beta program, you know, they said you got to change a lot of practices. Well, we were already doing a sustainable program on our rice. Everything we grow, we have tried to do five years back, 10 years back, <clears throat> trying to be the farmer that is being sustainable and doing the practices that we need to do to be, for conservation not necessarily no-till, but just all the other practices that go with this. So we actually got penalized by already being, and I think a lot of the extreme ag guys are going to see this, we're already doing these practices that they need you to change. Right. You're doing those five years ago, 10 years ago, you've already adapted to that, then you're getting penalized to be able to get the carbon credits. And that's one thing that kind of sucks with the program. Yeah, by the way, it's, it's kind of... I've got ground and CRP and my brother, the farmer, when he was still alive, always made the point is like the ground, they say it's gotta be road crops. Like this hay field that I have should be a hay field because it's, you know, got slopey, highly erodible land. And for only way to put it into a conservation program means I should do something that you shouldn't do anyhow to then be eligible to do what I've been doing all along. It's kind of like what you're talking about, Mariah, let's address that. Why are you punishing people for doing the right thing? Uh, it's not that we're punishing people to do the right thing. Um, you know, and I, I am going to take a step back because I like I'm dying inside internally just a little bit. Um, so one of the things I think is important to address in what Temple said is, you know, having the flexibility of a one-year contract. There is a lot of science and there's a lot of reasoning behind why we have longer term contracts, why we have these reporting tails. It is, it is, uh, like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard for me, some of these, because it's, it, it's, there's there's not enough scientific approach behind some of these and what we are selling is not sound enough at times and that could potentially be what corrupts some of the market because we don't have enough of the facts and the whole purpose of what these organizations are buying offsets for is to basically buy permanently stored carbon okay so they want to be able to buy carbon that they feel confident that is going to be long term in the ground and it's going to stay that way Whenever we open it up to a very flexible contract, like a one-year contract, you're not actually providing any climate benefit, any benefits or any environmental benefits, because you have no idea if the farmer is just going to go back to their old practice, 
you have an idea if they're just going to till it up again. And so then all of those climate benefits are going to be automatically reversed. For a farmer, it's probably not a big deal, right? But for these big investors that are, that are investing billions of dollars into climate smart commodities and into the carbon market, it's, it's a really big problem. And so um, I, I totally get the need to have a flexible contract. I understand that wholeheartedly, but the reality is there is a reason as to why people are asking for that. And it truly is so that way we can do it the right way. We can keep the carbon stored where it needs to be. And we're providing that benefit to the organization that's purchasing it. Um, yeah, okay, for, you, said, you said a lot there and um, it is important to look at things from the perspective of the purchaser. Uh, obviously, Tim Bull is looking at it from the operator. Totally. And frankly, I thought, everything, I thought everything he said was something I would agree with also. I would have gone with what was convenient and easy, especially yep. when my learning curve is ramping up. I would have gone with the shorter term thing because I'm not even sure what I'm getting into. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, written, written before you buy kind of a thing. So I would have done probably everything uh, that, that Temple did. And I understand that. But I also understand your, your position is you've got to sell this on to Microsoft. And Microsoft yeah. wants longer term practices. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's just really important as we as we are evaluating all of these marketplaces to know that um, you know things are very much the wild west. It's still very loose out here, um, but what we do know is that we have to have buyers at the end of the day, and those buyers want specific things. Kelly, what specific things do those buyers want? You are the absolute pioneer at this. I mean, I almost tear up, to be honest, because it's carbon that brought us together. Um, and, and before we hit the record button, when we were talking about your complexion, I have such sentimentality for you. But now that you're not as sunburned, I, it's like it's like we have we've even got a, a different relationship than we had back when you used to let, you know, your pigment change with the sun. But now now uh, you're on a carnivore diet. You're the carbon guy. And it's carbon that brought us together. I just, I'm just full of emotion right now. Not as much as Mariah was when she got mad. Basically what I heard there, she wanted to hit Temple. She was, I was mad not mad. I was absolutely agree. not mad. She physically was going to not <laughs> knock Temple around. Anyway, Kelly. I was not mad. First of all, the way that Damien and I met was because he creeped me on Facebook and I was a little taken aback by his overtures to want to, become friends and things like that. I was a little nervous about him. Still, maybe a, a bit of that exists. I like to put that out there. You know what? There's a fine line, Kelly, between stalking and just showing somebody you're interested. All right. That's what it comes down to. Okay. Oh, that, that is a fine line. You're correct. I think you maybe crossed it, but that's a, another story for another time. So what is it Shopify want? What is it that, that you well, had to do? I, did you, you know, you did have to change. You did have to change some practices or maybe you didn't. I don't know. No, what you know, uh, just like I am in most other parts of my life, I got lucky for the time that we did that. You know, we we incorporated drip irrigation, we incorporated winter wheat, which then helped us incorporate cover crops into our operation, and it just happened to coincide with the timeline that Shopify, Truterra, Truterra wants. And I I feel that being, you know. Uh, I hesitate to use the term, but being the pioneer that I'm viewed in this area, I have the unique position to appreciate Mariah's perspective and Temple's perspective. Uh, I, I will say first and foremost that I think agriculture is bad, very bad at understanding the uh, perspective that the customer is always right. So, you know, agriculture wants to raise whatever crop they want to raise and the customer is supposed to understand and just accept that and 
no other industry in the world does that. Okay. You know, uh, we're going to raise what we want to raise and, and you as the consumer are supposed to buy it and accept that. That that's a poor business model. And the carbon market, the carbon market is starting to expose that, but you know, Temple and I are good friends and I understand what he's up against, you know, here in Western Iowa, I don't have the I don't have to deal with the weather issues that Matt or Temple have to deal with. And the carbon market also has to understand that what Temple talked about in that difficult fall that he had, that that shouldn't necessarily be dealed with, shouldn't necessarily be viewed as tillage. Yeah. It needs to be viewed as repair. Yeah. And Temple's got to make a living. Matt's got to make a living. And even though Temple wants to incorporate no-till and cover crops into his land, if he has a difficult fall and he's got to be able to get his crop out to make a living, and then if he, if he damages the ground in a short-term way because of that, before he puts his crop in the next year, he's got to be able to repair that. Yeah. To me, that doesn't need to be classified as tillage. It needs to be classified as repair. Yeah. And there's got to be some understanding between the carbon market and the agricultural market as to what's going on. Well, uh, that's the way I, I view it. What, what you're talking about is a level of flexibility, but also a level of understanding. And, and we're not being in any way yeah. mean. One percent of America farms. Uh, a few percent of Americans are involved with agriculture peripherally. The people that are buying these carbon markets or that are paying for this don't live where we live. They don't do what That's we right. do. So it's, absolutely, they're going to they're going to struggle with uh, the comprehension because they've never done it. And we're not being in any way mean. It's just that they they wouldn't grasp some of that. Um, there is a perception. By the way, you mentioned about your uh, irrigation. Um, my friend Will tells me that a couple of our friends from NetFM are on here. Thank you, NetFM, for being here, one of our sponsors. If you happen to be on here and you're a sponsor and I, I didn't recognize you, it's not because I'm being mean. I just didn't know you were on there. So uh, anyway, there's a perception that this is a scam. There's a perception that um, I'm just giving you my information. Mariah, I want you to go first. Basically, here's what I hear people say. And, you know, I'm a bit of a conspiracy guy myself, so I'm right there with them. I think that you're just doing this to spy on me. You want to know what I who was on my farm. You're going to surveil me and you're going to give me money and like all of a sudden steal my identity. Uh, is that what's happening here? Only to you. Uh -huh. um, and maybe Kelly. I don't know. Um, no, I, I mean, the, the reality is, guys, like I, I, that is why it's so important that you pick a good partner. Right. Um, it's important that you have a partner, um, you know, like TrueTerra that you can trust, that you feel is going to protect your data, is going to protect you um, as an individual. Um, something that we do as Trutera is as we have our buyers, um, we are only providing them basically aggregated data with the, the, the field, the geolocation um, of the field. They do not know the grower name. They do not know um, where you live. Uh, okay, like you own- So it's kind of like when you sell sperm? I mean, not that I've ever done that, but when you go to the <laughs> sperm bank, is it kind of like that? I'll be honest with you. I have no, uh, I, I don't know. I, you have, I don't know. Honestly, I mean, I don't know. Of all the things you have asked me the last two weeks, I am most shocked by that one. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I, I do know that we at Land O'Lakes and at Chutera and our, and our um, partners that we work with in our agri-tailers, they take data privacy very, very seriously. 
Um, and so we are not going to share your name. All joking aside about that, but um, there are perceptions that this is a scam. There's also perceptions that um, sure. you're going to control me. You know, farmers are pretty, sure. pretty uh, independent types. Uh, are you yeah. going to now tell, are you going to tell Temple what he's allowed to do? No, I mean, the, the whole perception of the carbon market is not to just come in here and tell farmers and regulate them and tell them that they have to do X, Y, and Z, right? Is that what the EU is doing today? Absolutely. That's what's happening. And that is why I think it's so important that farmers- hey, real, kind of, real quickly, yeah. uh, Mariah, your sound is just a little bit- Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. But the point is, you just said something that I want to make sure our listeners and our participants are paying attention to. You said the EU, the European yes. Union- the European Union is much more heavy handed than we are here in the United States of America or even up in yes. Canada. But what, repeat that, because I think that's worth hearing again. That's why I want you to just say it again. Yeah. So the, so the EU is already going through a lot of a lot of these processes. They're already regulating farmers and telling them that they're not going to even get paid for carbon credits. They, they're just setting the expectation that if you want to sell your product, you will do, you know, X, Y, and Z, da, 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 da. And what we are trying to do here is we are trying to, we are trying to mitigate that, right? We want to create more of a voluntary market, which is what we are doing. That is what all the, the organizations in the U.S. are, you know, they're voluntarily reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we are very much supporting that process. We want to make sure that we stay in that so that our farmers have the freedom and the flexibility to do what they need to do. Um, to be successful. And, and I think that is one, one piece of it uh, as we're talking here. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. And that's why it's worth, you know, when, when we think about this subject, which is why we record the podcast and why we have you on here now is the, the countryside, and I'm talking farmers, have not <laughs> hugged and embraced this carbon thing as you had thought maybe they would have. And I think we got to look at it as a secondary revenue source you know we talk about diversification of income when you got fifteen dollar beans and seven dollar corn you're not worried about income diversification because by god twelve dollar wheat is going to be all the income i you know i need but there's going to be a time when things are skinny all of us on this call are old enough to remember when things were skinny at least once or three times in the business of agriculture i look at this as an opportunity for income diversification where on a bad year Maybe you break even on the farm, but the carbon is is some margin for you. And so I think that's what we're looking at. Matt, or I'm sorry, Temple, you had your hand up. Um, so I, I need to say something about this. Everything that Mariah is talking about is right. And there is going to be regulation that comes in and you're not, you're talking to a guy in the area that's extremely regulated. What I will tell you with, with change and with more regulation and with, something that is is cutting edge is the carbon market and doing things and making us change our ways will make us better farmers it will make us more efficient farmers everything that we're doing here in this group is all about efficiency and all of your sponsors play a part in all the way back to this carbon thing if you really think about it you look at what we're doing to uh reduce the amount of phosphorus that we're putting in reduce the total amount of 
in that we're putting in, reduce tillage by all the different planter things that we're doing. All these things to go all the way out to residue breakdown. All of these companies that help sponsor you guys on Extreme Ag, it all ties back to this carbon market. And I can promise you the farmers that I'm around that are heavily regulated around here, they are some of the best farmers I've ever seen in my life. It has made us better. It has made us look at things a different way. And I think this is where the carbon market, this is just the next step for us. And can I say something, Damon? So just to, to what Temple said, <clears throat> you know, we have had to change, and I'm, I'm going back to five to 10 years ago, with social media, we've had to change to be better farmers for the suburban mom. And I yep. use that term lightly. I don't mean that in any in any chauvinistic way no we're not being chauvinistic we're talking about our mark we're talking about our marketplace we're not in any way being chauvinistic there's generally the person that buys the food is the woman head of the household or and and so yes that's, that's yeah, so she's in dallas and she's never been on a farm and she's buying food at at hy or wherever you know and and that's who we've had to satisfy so we started that five years prior you know i, I will say 15 20 years ago you know, we probably wasn't doing the things we needed to do to be sustainable and be good for the environment. <clears throat> but, you know, we've been doing this now for several years, and I still want to know what, you know, what the what the answer is on, with True Terra on the guys that's been doing this. Because I, I, was, I was asked, I don't know, seven years ago, what is your biggest challenge? And one of them was resistant weeds, and the other one was suburban mom mm -hmm. and, and social media. Because mm -hmm. we get – we get attacked for killing people trying to provide safe food, you know, for, for the, for the suburban mom or, or the families, I guess I, I maybe should yeah. use it. So, so the point, so, so we've done all this stuff earlier and then we get penalized. We can't get carbon credits, even though I'm not no till there's a lot of other practices that I've been doing that are not new practices. So, you know, why don't we get penalized for doing this and, you know, for being frontiers and doing this, I guess is my question. Would you like me to answer? I'm happy to throw an answer. Oh. Mariah, <laughs> you have not lacked any answers so far. So <laughs> we've, we've brought it now a second time saying that we're punishing the people that do what's right. Your answer the first time was no, we're not punishing you, but there is some reality. Matt, can't yeah. get, Matt can't get subscribed or rewarded for stuff unless it's a new practice and he's been doing it because he's at the forefront. He's been doing it ahead of when the neighbors did and now it kicks him out or gives him a lesser score, right? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, he's not wrong, right? I mean, I'm sure for most of you that have been doing this for an extended period of time, it very much feels like like you have no play in this. And and today, that's certainly, that's certainly accurate, right? Um, what I will tell you is that just hold tight um, maybe you don't fit today, but as we start talking about the nitrogen reduction piece, you're going to be able to play in that um, because it doesn't matter if you're doing conventional till, if you're doing um, cover crops for 20 years, you're going to fit in that nitrogen reduction credit piece. Um, as we talk about low carbon intensity grain, again, that's going to be a place where it doesn't matter if you have been, um, if you have been a no-tiller for, you know, 20 years, it doesn't matter, um, you know, what your practice status is at that point in time, those are things that we're working on and we're building on. Um, and so, 
you know, I would say that it, is it ideal right now? No. Does it feel very much like you're, you're missing out? Yes, it probably does. And, and do I have a great answer for that? I, I really don't other than please know that the industry is trying to correct that. We recognize that we understand that land of lakes has um, been very deliberate as we have um, submitted funds through a government grant for a one-time carbon payment for all of these farmers like yourself that have been doing this for 20 plus years. Um, we're trying to take aggressive action to, to mitigate what you're experiencing. Mariah, there's a couple of things, and we're going to kick it over to Kelly, then we're going to come back to you. We're going to talk about the enrollment process and how it works. But before we sure. do that, Kelly is in the beef business, but he's also what we call a beef snob. He, right now, you talked about when Temple said something, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard. It made you cringe. You know what? He's been looking at the Holstein paintings over your shoulder. He is the most anti-Holstein <laughs> son of a bitch you'll ever meet. He hates dairy breeds. He's mean you know about them. He says that people who eat beef from Holstein steers are skinny and ill-tempered. At least that's what he calls me. He's he's a, he's an anti-Holsteinite. And I just know that he's really bothered by those paintings of cattle, uh, Holstein dairy cattle over your shoulder. Well, now that I know that, I'm gonna, I'm literally gonna go get him a Holstein picture, and I'm gonna deliver it to him. So you know what? That. Get him a Holstein calf. Just drop off I, a Holstein calf in his, in his shop. Yes, Kelly, that would be great. The process, um, it could be overwhelming. I mean, I'm thinking about, okay, should I get my my tenant to do this because I think that some of our practices would work. You know, we are doing some things uh, that you, you know we should do, but it's kind of daunting. What was the process like for you? It was 55 or 60 hours of work to compile all the information. And, you know, at that time in the summer of 20, uh, you know, again, being the first or if, if close to the first person to go through this, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, we were making it up as we went along a little bit to try to figure out what to do uh, for the amount of money we received. I really don't think 55 or 60 hours is a lot of work. Mariah and her team have that streamlined now. It wouldn't take us 55 or 60 hours anymore. A uh, lot of big return on investment there to uh, go through the process with Mariah and her team and, and to get this done. Yeah, I mean, like for the average person, $491,000 for 55 hours of work. I mean, I'm not going to work that cheaply, but a lot of people would find that to be a pretty big number. I mean, I, I can't. I, I, I know it. I'm aware, I'm aware it. that I you won't work that though. cheap. I, I agree. <laughs> that, that, that. Hey, Mariah. So is Matt. Mariah, we're going to get to you about the process. Matt, Matt obviously gave you a few hundred dollars and says it's for the beef that you still haven't shipped him. He, a few hundred dollars to him is like, like you've got some pennies over here in my change jar. That's what that 400, he's, he guys rolling in it. Mariah, I got a question for you. You mentioned something about when nitrogen comes along. This is from uh, Claude, yes, Corcos, Claude yes. Corcos. And so he says, nitrogen comes along. Are you saying that there's going to be a program for nitrogen? Is there already something yes. that works on nitrogen? It kind of explain some more about this nitrogen thing. Sure. Nitrogen is not carbon. They're completely different on the periodic table. Yeah, exactly. So um, thank you for that. That was very obvious. Uh, so as we, as we have the carbon credit program, we are also going to be standing up what we call like a nitrogen reduction program or a nitrous oxide program. Um, so as you take a look at greenhouse gases, um, obviously, what we are working with is carbon dioxide. Um, what you would be then uh, removing from the atmosphere as you move to a nitrogen would be a nitrous oxide, okay? And nitrous oxide is actually 297 times more um, potent to the climate than actual carbon dioxide. So 
there is a there is a strong want and need to begin working on nitrogen reduction. Uh, what that looks like for us, though, is it would still be very based around um, paying on a uh, an amount of tonnage. So you'd still be getting up to that twenty five dollars a ton. It would be a an actual reduction in nitrogen, maybe paired with a stabilizer a reduction in nitrogen with a compensation of a cover crop, like Kelly has talked about some red clover stuff. Um, you know, that's what it would be looking like. We are doing a pilot in Iowa um, in 2022, um, in 23, and then hopefully we'll be ready to launch. Okay. I think that's adequate because it's, again, it's still kind of a moving target. It's not, it's not, it's not cut and dried right now, but we are going it's to not. see that. By the way, isn't nitrous oxide laughing gas? Um, I, I'm not sure if you outsmarted me. I don't know. All right. I like telling uh, maybe knows. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, okay. Process. But before we get back to her on process, um, $491,000, even if you put that across all of your acres, which you didn't, Kelly, is a ton of money when Temple's getting 18 bucks an acre. Uh, Matt is going to get about 50 grand on 2,000 acres. That, by my math, is about $25 an acre. How, how did you get so much more? Are you... Why are you better compensated for your carbon than those two guys are? We sold what I would say, what I would describe as vintage credits. We sold credits from 2015 to 2019 on some of the land. Then we sold credits from 2016 to 2020 on some of the other land. You know, we were in a five-year vintage program. If Mariah wants to correct me on that term, that's fine. But we sold, we sold credits that went back five years. Okay. And now we are sold, selling credits that go forward. And I, I don't believe Matt and Temple were able to, to take advantage of things like that. So it wasn't because you did a bunch of different practices. You didn't run out and put in carbon vacuums or some crazy thing like this. It's just because you sold more years than those guys have. Yes, because of the programs we were involved in. Absolutely. I understand. Temple, you look like yes. you, look, you have a contemplative sort of pensive sort of look on your face you're getting ready to say something or are you just being contemplative i want to choke kelly <laughs> because because no he's making more no he's making more money than you yes yes he has helped me make a lot of money actually all these guys have helped me make a lot more um that's one, one of the things that kelly you know hey i want to just will let's put that out to tell everybody why they should pay attention to extreme ag all these guys at Extreme Ag have helped me make more money. That is the yeah. best statement right there. That's like, boom, mic drop, done. That's why we're here. Go ahead. So, you know, Kelly was out uh, able to use those, those, you know, vintage credits, whatever you want to call that, for doing the right thing um, for all the years prior. And he's bringing it all forward. How it hurt me was is exactly what, you know, the repair or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That threw me. That threw me out, and it wasn't able to let me go forward. Um, you know, we got talking about this one-year flexible program. I did it so I can kind of, you know, this is kind of an introduction for me. Now maybe I take it to another level, and maybe I talk to Trotera or whatever else, and try to to take it to another level. But it allows us to get our. I think it's important to have an introductory level, and and Mariah can can you know, go further on that. But 
I think it's extremely important. What she really did before Temple was dispute and threaten. Yeah, she wanted to. She wanted to smack me. Is what her exact dispute and physical dispute your assertion and then. Yeah, I feel like I'm being ganged up on, and this is. (laughs) You should. You should, because we are. Well, you kind of threw me under the bus from the beginning, but I think it's important to have the introduction so you can learn something. Because one things we found out in extreme ag is to dive in get your feet wet and learn something and then take it to another level and i feel like that's what that does yeah and i i agree with that yeah and we'll let mariah rebut but we have to get to the bigger question getting started so you want to rebut temple and threaten him some more mariah (laughs) no i'm good i'm good it's i'm it's okay but you do understand a person that says, since I yeah. said so new and it's so confusing and there's so many different, I'm, I'm getting a lot of, of noise. Course. I'm getting a lot of noise in the marketplace from Indigo and from Trutera and from Nori and from this and from the social media. And then what the of guy course. you know, down the road says, there's a lot of noise. And that's why I guess there's still a lot of confusion. I yeah. want to get started. Okay. I'm a farmer. I'm listening yeah. to this webinar. I listen to the podcast. I want to do this right now. Let's do it. Okay. Take, All right. Tell me how. What do we the do? The first step is to go to TruterraAg.com. There you will be uh, initiated a survey. There will be a start survey here link. You're literally going to take a 30-second survey, okay? And I am not kidding. It truly is 30 seconds. We're going to ask you six or seven questions. I can't remember exactly. Um, you're going to input some information. This is by no means meaning that you are signing up. You're signing your life away. This is truly just an entrance. You're going to take that survey. We're going to respond to you within 24 and 48 hours. Um, and we're going to tell you like, hey, we think you're a great fit or no, maybe not for this program, but we'll keep you in mind. Um, once you get down that path, you're then going to enroll your fields. Okay. Um, you can get really far down the path with us before you're actually ever signing anything. Okay. So you will be able to get an estimated payment. Um, you will go through data collection. We will get you through verification and then we will get you to final contracting. And so the whole process, Damien, is about uh, nine months. Um, so it, it's a it's it's kind of a process, but you have many times throughout the process. If at all you're not comfortable, you can say no um, or you can pause and start later. Um, but the first the first step is to go to the Trutera Ag website. Okay, so you just said I can fill out a survey in 30 seconds, then you're yes. gonna get an answer to me. I would reasonably expect to get money starting when? Yeah. So once you sign that final contract and you go through the verification, um, after that nine months, basically, once you've done the survey data collection, we've done soil samples, you've gone through quantification and final contract, then you will get your upfront payment. Okay. And so um, it will be about nine months before you actually see a check. Okay. So keep that in mind. I have a question right yes. now. Do, oh. If you're not no-till, you mm-hmm. even apply if you're minimal till? Yes, absolutely. You do not just have to be a no-tiller. We, we absolutely, if you even just do one less tillage tax, you actually qualify for a carbon market. I think that is a big misnomer. Everyone thinks that you have to fit in a certain bucket, but if you do one less tillage tax than you did last year, great, you qualify. While we're on that subject, what other misnomers or, or, or data points that are confused or misperceptions might there be? I already told you a couple of that, I, that I've heard. You're going to steal my data. You want to just give me a few dollars an acre to really control me. Those are some of the things that I've heard in the marketplace. What are some other ones? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the most common ones are like what Matt just said, like you have to be no-till. I think the contract is a huge misnomer. You know, people are saying, oh my gosh, you're going to sign away my rights to carbon forever. That's not the case either, right? I mean, there's just some very basic things that you really hit on the most popular ones, to be honest. All right. Now, let's just say this. Um, I do this deal with you. and then- Yeah. And then, and you're, and it's supposed to be for the next few years, because you said your companies that give you the money, because your money comes from, call it Microsoft or what have you. Sure. Then next year, I say, you know what? That was neat. I got your money. I'm bringing out the moldboard plow. I'm going to go out here and just drive over this field 18 times because screw it. I want to farm like we did in 1950. Um, you going to come try and take my money back? Yeah. So, you know, the unique thing about Land Lakes, the unique thing about Tratera is that we've tried to make this, like I said earlier, as farmer friendly as possible. What we have done that is different is we actually have a buffer pool. Okay. And so from that buffer pool, meaning if we have a contract um, with a Microsoft for a hundred thousand tons, we will actually purchase about 150,000 tons because we know naturally we're going to have some attrition, whether it be from mother nature, whether it be from um, the land being sold or something like that. We have tried to be as farmer friendly as possible. Now, if you have like, if you are blatantly trying to abuse the program, um, you know, yes, of course there are legal things in there, but if, if you, you know, have a mother nature event, if you lose the operation, you know, something like that, we are not going to, we're not going to come back and ask for, for that money back. That's because, you know, because we have that buffer pool. So we feel very comfortable about that. Do you so have buyers? Right we have this three, if we have three hurricanes and, which, which we've done that before. Yeah. And run our, run our stuff knee deep in the Delta. I get it. Have to get get in there and, and redo all the ground. It'd be more like a repair, like Kelly's saying. Yeah. So what we would do, Matt, is we would actually, let's say that we had yours sent to an organization, right? We would actually pull your stuff out. We would fill it back in with someone else while you're repairing it. it yours will sit in the buffer pool. And then we'll just start again whenever you're ready to go. Gotcha. Yep. Thanks for that misperception. Um, we got one more question from an attendee. When will True Terras and their buyers remove the exclusion of farmers who have been using acceptable practices for the past several years? Uh, by the way, I've been denied acceptance into True Terras program for that very reason. I think you kind of spoke to that previously, but it looks like there's still this thing does persist. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, the reality is, it's not that we don't want to accept you. We do want to accept you. We don't have buyers that are willing to purchase those long-term vintage credits. I think it's important for everyone to know that the, the people that are buying these offsets today, they want to be able to say that they influenced you all to make the change. Whether we believe that or not on this call, right? They want to be able to say that they, they influenced the farmer in Western Iowa to make the change that was going to make the climate better. And, and until we get over that hump, right, until we get all these organizations understanding that, we're still going to be kind of going down this path. And yeah, I think that, again, we always have to think about it from the perspective of the buyer. You know, if you always think about it from your perspective, there's a customer, there's somebody, they want to be able to tell their customers and their shareholders, more importantly, we did this positive change, which I think to that, that question that was asked, it's not because Trutera is attempting to screw you. It's because their money comes from called Shopify and Shopify says, we don't care what happened nine years ago. We want to be able to tell our shareholders and our customers that we influenced this. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. If we were making the rules, believe me, it would be much different. 
Matt Miles, you got a big operation. You're a business guy. You have a few dozen employees. You have a trucking company. You're a business-minded person. Um, this is an experiment right now between you and Rabobank. You're interested in probably branching out. I hear you asking Ryan these questions. Three years from now, is carbon going to be a significant enough amount of revenue that it actually matters for Miles Farms? I mean, I really hope so. There's some changes got to be made, just common sense. And I'm going to put that in quotations, common sense. You know, with different stuff we talked about, like hurricanes or what Timber went through, you know, rutting the ground. But if we can get this thing reformed, you know, it's new. It's just like biologicals or anything that comes out new, the internet when it first come out, you know, whatever. Um, you know, when it comes out, everybody's gung-ho on it. But then they have to stop and back up and say, okay, what's a common sense way to make this work? And I think, I'm hoping that's what happens with carbon credits, to be able to fit everyone in there. You know, like she said, even if if a guy's 100% conventional teal, which there's not a lot of that anymore, but where can he fit in here? So, you know, I'm hoping in in five years that, you know, or three years or whatever, that it's it's something that everybody can participate in you know, they may, they may not can participate like Kelly or Temple, but some sort of way to participate in this to make, you know, it makes the environment better. I'll be honest with you. It, it's something we need to do. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't think anybody actually opposes it from the standpoint of, you you know, carbon being putting more carbon in your soil is good. Uh, generally, cover crops and conservation practices are good. That's why we have them, right? Uh, so there's nobody that really would oppose that. It's a, the bigger question is, is it viable? Um, if I have to make wholesale changes and for a few bucks an acre, it may not be worth it, right? So that's what, so what's the right number? What, what, what? Uh, we're, we're applying carbon. We, we use a lot of poultry litter, which is an organic fertilizer. And we use that in place of synthetic fertilizer, which we've been doing that for 20 years. But we're actually applying carbon. I think a, a, a load of chicken litter is probably 40 to 50% carbon. So we're actually applying carbon to the soil, mm -hmm. though we may be minimal teal. We're applying more carbon to the soil than probably what we're getting out of the soil if we were no-till. So, I mean, by the time they fix all this, and I hope Mariah can address that, you know, that's something we've been, you know, we asked the question of, we're applying carbon to our soil through poultry litter. Why does that not count? It don't count right now. I, I don't think so, does it, Mariah? No, I, I mean, you're gonna get, so in the modeling process, you're gonna get credit for using um, the poultry litter instead of using an actual commercial fertilizer, just like Kelly uses um, an organic basically. Uh, but you're not, that's not something that's actually going to qualify you to be, to be eligible for this. Now, I will say as we get into more of this nitrogen reduction piece, that is potentially a play that could fit into, into what that could look like. Great call off though. You're, you're definitely right. Uh, Temple, I just threw it out there to Matt. Is this going to be something that we're all doing? You're on the East Shore of Maryland where you and your neighbors have been doing stuff for 25 years or 15 years or 20 years that is new in uh, other parts of agricultural uh, regions. Is this going to be, are we all going to be getting money for some carbon uh, practice five years from now? I think so. I think that um, once they start to realize what's going on in this carbon market and realizing that all these companies have some type of a sliding scale, that all of us can fit in there somewhere. doesn't matter about um, where we fit, but we're there. 
they're all have enough flexibility that we can get in there somewhere. Um, I think that this is new. I think that the change is good. I think that maybe not regulation, that's not the word I want to use, but it's going to make us better farmers and it's going to make us have an outreach program where we're going to outreach and we're going to find newer and better things that we can reduce our application. We can reduce tillage, whether it's equipment or whether it's some of these products that are out there already that we can break residue it down. We can get more nutrients into our soil. We can add more carbon in there every time that we make a pass. All these are new things. Mm-hmm. It's all cutting edge and we're going to add to it. I want to know, or it's a question for Mariah, um, do we have enough feet on the ground right now? Like, that's my concern, like, to do all this stuff and to take the core samples and do all the things. Is there enough feet on the ground? Like, I'm all the way out here in Maryland. If I sign on with True Terra, are you going to send the people out here? Or is it a, yeah. how do you get the people <laughs> on the ground to, to facilitate the problem? Yeah, great question. Um, so from a Truterra standpoint, we actually work with a soil organization that does all of our soil samples. They are nationwide. Um, we actually have a retailer that is in Maryland. They have taken soil samples out there. They're actively doing that. Um, so yes, we, we can absolutely cover that. The other thing that I think is unique about Truterra that is, that is different is that we do have a group of data coordinators. And so if you sign up with Truterra and you're struggling with the data process, you need help with the data process, we have 30 people on staff that will work with you um, for one hour or 40 hours, no matter how long it takes, they will do the data for you. They will help you through the process and make it as easy as we can. Um, now that said, there is still some lift from the farmer perspective. You guys have the data, you have all of the information, right? Um, but it, it's not going to be such a lift that you have to put it into a system and then you have to make sure that you're validating everything. Like let us do the work for you. Let us be the experts and you can, you can do what you do best, right? Yeah. So, uh, by, by the way, yeah, I like that. Um, True Terra, uh, and again, dear listeners, it's T-R-U-T-E-R-R-A, True Terra. Go there, and you can and poke around. Also, if you have a question that you come up with, maybe in your, you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it, send your email to support at extremeag.farm. Support at extremeag.farm will get you covered. Um, and, you know, and if you want us to, you know, to help you out, find an answer, we'll do that. Going around here to our last one, we heard from Matt about the future and whether this becomes a significant revenue source. We heard about from, uh, from uh, Temple that indeed, and you know, I'd add the Temple's thing, this is coming. It looks like it, you know, you don't need to be a crystal ball reader to realize that there's a lot of environmental push and, and, you know, agriculture is going to be it. My hope is that it's always market-based versus it being like a European union to Mariah's point. If it's market-based, these are solutions that we can all work with and, and we can make money and we can make decisions that are good for our operation. When it's the heavy hand of government, um, I, I, I fear that. And I think everybody on this call probably would agree with that. So this is a market-based solution. Kelly, market-based solution. You were a, for, a forerunner to the whole entire thing. What's your last thought here while we wrap up this webinar on demystifying carbon markets? I think from an agronomic perspective, without a doubt, the more carbon I can put in the soil, the better it is for my yields and the better it is for my pocketbook. I think, you know, uh, I'm 47 years old. This is one of the first times in history I ever remember farmers as being painted as the good guys, uh, as a part of the solution to something. Uh, You know, and and this is a huge problem. Uh, I think we should embrace it. 
Um, I, you know, this is an agronomic carbon-based discussion. I don't want to become political, but farmers by and large are right-leaning. Carbon buyers by and large, I think, are left-leaning. I think part of what the problem is with our country and our world today is the disconnect between the right and the left. And I think this is the beginning of the healing process between that, where we all come back together. Uh, I think it's a common problem between all people. I think there's a disconnect between the people in the cities and the farmers and uh, the carbon problem, the uh, climate problem is a, a, is a situation that we all live in. And I think that this brings us all together. And uh, I think it's a healing process for, for all of us. And, I, and I'm proud to be part of it. And I'm proud that agriculture is at the forefront of it. Yeah, and I, I think that- Matt. Kelly jacked me up with that comment. He needs to run for the Iowa governor. <laughs> he jacked me up that was good. Comment. That was well said. Well said. All right. Thank um, you. I think that uh, I think the important part about these webinars is knowing when uh, is a good time to go out. I think we're going to go out right there with what Kelly said. And the main thing here is we gave you answers, dear listener. Um, our, our role here was to help you. We're still learning about some of this ourselves. You know, Mariah has a lot of answers and she even admits that there's going to be changes coming next year that, uh, you know, with nitrogen and, and whatnot. By the way, big shout out to our friend Kevin that's not here, but we have somebody else that pronounces it nitrogen just like he does. And that's my friend Temple who calls it nitrogen. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we are here for the answers. We want to give you answers. We, uh, we strive to always bring you interesting topics. Our July webinar is another interesting topic. And I would like to invite all of you to be at this. We're going to be talking on July 7th. That is three weeks and one day from right now, three weeks and one day from right now is our next extreme ag webinar. And the topic is going to be mid season practices to mitigate stress and boost harvest results that you're probably overlooking. You know, we're putting it out one week earlier than normal because we want to give you time to actually implement these practices. The guys from Extreme Ag are going to be here. We're going to be talking about mid-season practices that you can be doing in July and August to mitigate stress and boost harvest results that you're probably overlooking. So be sure to join us. That's July 7th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time. The guys from Extreme Ag are going to be here. I want you to be here as well. Mariah Murphy, MK Murphy. MK Murphy at landolakes.com is how you find her. We told you to send any questions you have afterwards to us, support at extremeag.farm. Temple Rhodes, Kelly Garrett, Matt Miles, Mariah, and of course, Will, the behind the scenes master that is the wizard behind the curtain, and me, Damian Mason. Till next time, thank you very much for being here. Check out all of our awesome content at extremeag.farm, and thanks for being here this evening.